0: everybody. Welcome back to The Real View Podcast. I am your host, Allison Wiley. Joining me today is our special guest, Cheryl Spangler. She is a real estate broker, a social media influencer, and a fellow podcaster. Cheryl, welcome onto the show.
1: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you reaching out. And uh, yeah, I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a really fun episode today. The topic of today's show is called I mean, we've all heard of this idea of quiet quitting, and it's been in the news a lot. And we're going to talk just exactly about what that means here in a little bit. But before we get started about that, um, I have to ask our signature question that I ask all of the guests who join me on the podcast, which is since the show is called The Real View, I would like to know what is the best view that you've ever seen?
1: Like I said, I didn't really put any thought into that question, but okay, I'm going to say something kind of corny. And it's not a view from a mountain. Okay. And then I'm going to try not to cry because like, I'm just thinking about this, right? No,
0: it's good. See, that's why I love this question because you just never know what you're going to get when you ask it.
1: The view across the table of most recently, I would say these 21-year-old buyers, I know it's real estate related, but the view of their face, 100,000 21-year-olds are in their face. And it sounds so corny, but like my son bought a home last year and it was like they don't, they're not taken seriously. They don't realize that they can. And I I know it's like home ownership is the dream. No, it's literally just like everything they ever tried right now in that moment is like they're proud of themselves. The view across the table of like 100,000 21 year olds in the eyes of one is
0: amazing. I love okay, that. Stop. We got
1: to get, <laughs> get back to fun
0: stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. And I think you're, you're so right. I mean, that look on someone's face when they are achieving their dream. I know we say it's cliche or whatever, but just that knowing that you make someone's dream come true is a pretty amazing thing. And I know I bought my home when I was very young and I kind of experienced the same thing of like, oh, she's just 24 years old. What is she going to do, you know, with the home? But no it's it's so true and what a special moment that you get to give to somebody at such a young age. What an answer. That was very cool for not <laughs> not giving too much thought into it. I love it. Thank you. So Cheryl, I want to know a little bit more about you. Um, How did you get started in real estate? Did you always know that that was something that you wanted to do? And I want to hear a little bit about kind of what you do now and maybe a little bit about what your career uh, path has been like up until this point.
1: We only have 30 minutes. I know. I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's like everything in one. Yeah. No. As far as knowing, I've been in for 22 years. Uh, I got licensed in 2002 and actually had no desire or wasn't thinking about real estate. I was in the tech field and uh, my goals be, you know, I was a computer engineer. That's what I have degrees in. And I was like the mom that, was like, okay, I'm going to have, I'm pregnant and I'm going to have this baby in six weeks. I'm going to go back because I work 16 hour days. I'm going to go back to work in six. I'm not a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> and, and this is, so everything, everything cliches happened to me, but no, I had my son six, eight weeks early. And literally from that moment, I was like, I can't go back to work. I cannot go back to this it was Silicon Valley. Is doing computer. We were at, We were working at an IPO, my, my husband and I at the time, and I just couldn't go back. So I basically took 13 months off. We moved to Virginia. And during that 13 months, we bought a home. And in buying a home, the realtor who helped us buy must have really inspired me to think about that as a career option. And so like 12 months later, I'm still thinking about what can I do that has no cap on income? What I make is really up to me. I can work or I can flexible schedule. Everything that you say real estate is, it actually turns out to be the opposite. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I asked this agent who's still in the business today, could you meet with me and tell me a little bit about what, what you do and all this stuff? And she literally took 30 minutes somewhere, I don't remember where, and told me all the reasons why I should not become a real estate agent.
0: Oh wow. <laughs> and
1: how it is hard. You may not have income one month. You have to treat it like a business. You have to answer your phone. She's saying all these things, which now I realize it was probably maybe mistakes she made in the beginning or whatever. You know, you can't, you gotta pay taxes. <laughs> and I was like, either she's bitter. Or these things she's telling me are the reasons why everyone's failing. And so because I know that if I do them, I will succeed, then I'm going to do it because I know 90% of the people won't. And that might sound like egotistical, but at the time I was just thinking, not everyone's being told this. And I guess, you know, we did become friends during the process. She told me every reason not to. I appreciated it. And I'm like, I appreciate it. Gail, if you hear this, Gail Jackson, but I'm going to do it anyway.
0: Oh, shout out to Gail. That's a pretty cool story. And the fact that like you kind of had that realization to say, you know, like, okay, what's really the truth here? Is this, you know, really what is unknown about this industry? And like, how can you avoid that? I think that's, that's really cool. Do you think that that kind of attributed to the success that you found was kind of going in knowing a little bit of what to expect and maybe you know, what not not to expect at the same time? No, I mean, it did give me determination to decide at that moment that
1: that was actually was what I was going to do. And then I pursued the classes uh, because I was kind of debating at that point. But honestly, nothing can truly prepare you. It's either you have the willpower to stick it out and figure it out when everyone else is telling you a thousand things or when even your spouse or significant other, whatever is telling you to go get a real job or you don't. And that's why eighty percent do end up falling out after you know two years because you just you've got to get creative and not listen to everyone else. Being creative, I, I would say starting real estate in a I would say bad economy is probably the best thing for any real estate agent right now <laughs> because I I didn't close a deal for thirteen months after I started after I got licensed and I was in that process where he's like, "Uh, you should get a real job right now," and I'm like, "What?" I haven't even (laughs) closed the deal.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There you go to any potential, you know, listeners out there who are thinking about it, you know, might be a good time.
1: Yeah. It forced me to market, to get, to get out there, to door knock, you know, some of the things you may not do now, right now, but at the time what I was doing and it just really made me persevere. So if you have the personality that you're just not going to quit, then you're going to make it. And that I just think it's the personality and the values that you already have, or if someone can inspire you to have them.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of a perfect segue into the topic of today's show. You know, we're talking about, you know, what you can do to make sure you're successful and having that winning attitude. And it's so important. And especially in today's culture, we've been hearing about this quiet quitting. It's, it's been in the news a lot. It's been all over social media. What is it and why is it so dangerous?
1: Uh, well, first of all, well, I got a lot of negative feedback after that article. Like, that was a terrible thing. Here's the thing. I didn't actually take time to Google or look into or read about quiet quitting when that was kind of like all in the news. I did hear people mostly on LinkedIn posting about why they're doing it and all this, but I never really read the details. So one morning I was like, what the heck is quiet quitting? Seriously, let me just Google it and read about it. So I did. And I was like thinking to myself, this is real estate suicide. I know what they're saying because I resonate with every point in it, all the things, the five things, withdrawing from your job, doing less, needing more personal boundaries. Like I did all that, and you go through these fluctuations in real estate where you're all in and then you're like pulling back because you're overworked or or burned out or whatever. So I know I've done every one of those. But it it also when I did it, and basically my my business fell and so if you always have to be always on. So the idea was, how could you turn those five things, which is basically, yes, withdrawing, doing less, just even being quieter, and then you don't engage in real estate, you're basically going to lose. I mean, Whatever you do right now will determine what we make in 90 days. So if we don't engage at all, if anyone says to me, and I kind of get all weird and hardcore about this, but if someone says, I don't have any business, who did you talk to? It was not someone you already know, because if you haven't talked in all the methods there is to talk to people, it doesn't have to physically talk, but whoever you're talking to today could potentially close in 90 days. So like you have to talk to someone new because this person you already closed, give them a gift. But I mean, they already bought. <laughs> it made me think about, I think there's a myth on what that article was supposed to be about for me, because although I recapped quite quitting and said, how about we quietly win? It was really about the reason people are wanting to quit, you know, or pull back is because they're burned out. So how could we maintain that same stamina that causes people to quiet quit? This was the gist of my article, which I don't think people actually got. How can we maintain the stamina it takes to never quietly quit without burnout? Mm, and, that, and That's and a that good brought, question. And then that, the way to do that is through automation of some things. And that's why the end of the article was, oh, the 10 things that everyone should automate because kind of looks like you're always on, but you're really chilling out, not always on
0: that saying like working harder, not smarter. That's kind of the the advice that you give with those 10 tips. And I'm going to talk about that um, in a little bit, but I want to talk about more. Why do you think that this is a thing now that this quiet quitting is coming up so much now? Because like you said, it's like, this sounds like burnout. And of course, everybody gets burnout. And you said, you know, I recognize myself doing some of these things. Is this like a new idea, this quiet quitting, or is this something that's been around the uh, for a while? And Why do you think, you know, this is just becoming more of a thing right now?
1: Well, I do think that it's legit a whole worldwide culture shift of I am the epitome of like hustler. And the thing is, what I want to change the most, I have to work on all the time because the no hustle mentality is not something I really subscribe to. Like seven years ago, you would see me on Instagram posting videos about how my dad thinks I'm a hustler because I'm just always into something new and never stop. And I'm like, yeah, I am. And that that would be like my videos on Instagram before. Yes, I'm a hustler because I work hard and I do this and I do that. And then one day, (laughs) this woman who I'm good friends with, who owns a magazine in Alexandria, she randomly texts me on Facebook. And this was years ago. And right about the time where I realized that I started to not like the hustle mentality anymore. And because it was the thing, It was like the marketing, the do more, the be more. I mean, look at Gary Vee. I mean, like the people who post, you got to post 20 times a day. Grant Cardone, like literally you could name anything. Donnie Robbins, like go ahead and name everyone, whatever the person you like. They're always posting and they're always doing something. And so you feel like they're never taking a break. And it was just the culture. And this woman messages me and she's like, I forgot what she said, but it was something like a reference to, (laughs) it wasn't a chameleon. It was something that I'm basically everywhere doing everything and no one realizes what I'm actually doing. That's what it was. And it was kind of like, I was irritated at her at the time, but I thought, well, that's probably what my clients are thinking. I'm everywhere all the time doing everything. So what am I actually doing? And it, it just really made me stop and get focused and say, okay, I don't want to hustle anymore. Like I want to relax. And then like someone dies in your family. And then I think COVID brought everything to the reality of people will and possibly die in your family. What are you doing? Are you enjoying life? It's like a reality check. Plus I think it's a major culture change aside from the pandemic.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I think it was kind of like brought on by the pandemic. I think we were like almost there as a society in a sense. And then the pandemic hit and it just made everything so different and it just changed everybody's perceptions on what was really important in life. And like, I love that you bring up, you know, that hustle culture in the sense that like, if you're not busy all the time, you're not doing anything, you know, and like why that was like so ingrained in our brains and why it was, you know, kind of maybe the the wrong way of thinking. And it doesn't work for the real estate industry. Like we, we we can't, as realtors and agents, we can't just quiet quit. We can't just like slack off in our job and like still get our paycheck in two weeks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Talk a little bit about why this doesn't work for the real estate industry and why instead we have to focus um on what you propose is quiet winning. And I think that's really cool. And I and I want to hear more about that too.
1: One feedback that I got actually after the article was that it was perceived as Real estate agents, inherently, we have our signatures of our real estate email saying, I mean, literally some of them are longer than the entire long email. They're just like, top producer, million dollar, blah, 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 blah. And the guy thought it was like about quietly winning. Don't tell everyone that you're so great type
0: thing. That's
1: not actually what it was. But okay, so the first thing on quietly quitting is just to, I would say, get your mind straight. Whatever it is that you want your world to be, whatever that is, the mindset. And that's like, people always say that, but it is true. You can literally live in the same home with people possibly doing the same thing, even like if, let's say, if you're married to another real estate agent or something like that. And one could be super successful and one could not be because whatever they're thinking, doubting, or living, lacking is basically what they're going to get. And I just think that quietly winning starts with, quieting your mind. Even though I didn't really go into that, I do a lot of, let's say, meditation that's not normal, not sit around for 30 minutes and meditate, but just I have this particular song that I use, a Mozart song. And when I put it on, I immediately almost go into like levitation.
0: Oh, that's I so <laughs> love that.
1: And it's just like if you can use one song or one thing to think about. But basically, yes, you do have to quiet your mind and journal because otherwise it's crazy. Follow up. During the last 10 years of me getting out of hustle culture, I started a marketing company and just made myself learn the things that scared me, the things that I knew, like, I don't even know how to do this type thing. Automated marketing, automated emails, using Twilio, things that like are scare people that they're very complex if you've never messed with them and you're not technology savvy or whatever. You Just the ability to automatically respond to people and really sit down and set those up. People hear about email campaigns every day, but they never actually set them up. I, you know, I hired a coach, paid a ton of money, just learned things over a period of years. But part of Quiet Winning is constantly responding and it's just follow up. Follow up. That doesn't require your physical self to be doing it. You have to be doing something, follow-up campaigns, text campaigns in general that's automated. That's the biggest thing of quietly winning. I'm actually doing a, a webinar for the real estate resource council. I'm probably saying that wrong, anyways. And we're I'm providing, I'd like to provide it to any listener on this podcast, which is some downloadable cheat sheet type tips on how to create an email campaign in like five minutes. Just stuff that no one really shows you, but they just tell you to sit down and write from the heart and have a conversation and write these campaigns. I just feel like, anyway, long story short, one of them, quietly winning, is campaigns. I would say another is using your voice to be known. One of the things I have started over a lot. I owned real estate brokerages with Exit Realty. I started my own independent brokerage. I went into areas that people said, oh, you can't do that because you have to live there and grow up there and they're established in like a hoity-twity area, right? You you just can't come in and decide you're going to be the number one agent. I'm like, I'm not saying I need to be the number one agent, but I need to take a fraction of your market share. So I basically will go into an area, I will identify what the realtors are doing the majority of, figure out what they're not doing and do that. And one of those things is video. When I started in a, a waterfront area, Alexandria, Everyone, yes, was like, well, you got—you know, you didn't grow up here? So if you didn't grow up here and you didn't live in these neighborhoods and you didn't own a piece of property, you cannot just come in here and just decide after 50 years of realtors struggling and working that you're gonna be, and I'm like, yes, I can. All I gotta do is figure out what you're scared to do and do it.
0: This episode of The Real View is brought to you by the Ohio Association of Community Colleges. Ohio's network of community colleges provides accessible training that accommodates the busy lifestyles of aspiring real estate professionals at half the price of a traditional university. With convenient locations in every part of the state, as well as online options, Ohio's community colleges are your smart choice for pre-licensing education. For more details or to start the journey to a real estate career, visit the education page at ohiorealtors.org and then click on the pre-licensed course locations. Another one of the things that you talk about is, um, and I know we've talked about it on this podcast before, is this idea of saying no <laughs> and our boundaries and why that is so important in, in our business and in our life. What are some examples of ways that we can focus on saying no and how can that help us in our career and, and in our lives?
1: Well, I think outside of business, just in general, people are literally afraid to say no to anyone, their friend, their family, their children, literally anyone. Someone asks you to do something. I know right now, whoever's listening, a bunch of people have wanted some, want something from them and they're, and they haven't said no, they haven't said yes, no answer, by the way is a no to me. But a no answer is an answer. And people know that, but they just won't call you on it. So it's like, you want to say no, but then you don't want to hurt their feelings. And in the process of me experiencing quiet quitting as a real estate broker, at the time, I owned three brokerages. My kids were all under age 11. I started finding myself pulling back. I was looking for something other than work that would fulfill my life. And I got into bodybuilding. And that. whole experience of seven years of bodybuilding made me say no to people on every single level. I've done constant webinars about this or podcasts about the ability to say no got easier and easier because I had this end goal. So this is the gist of saying no. If you know what your goal is and it is written down, it's real easy to say no to everyone else that doesn't get you to that goal. And I'm not talking about money. It could be a physical weight thing. It could be just be financially free personally. It could be better relationship with your kids. Like whatever someone asks of you, it could be buyer seller or your time. People are just, they have to, they lie and come up with excuses. and <laughs> never tell the truth. So I would say like, just learn to literally, hey, Cheryl, can you do this for me? No, I'm not. No, why? And it's like, because I don't want to. I mean, literally just no. <laughs> you know, my dad, can you, you want to come over and eat? What are you having? I don't put pork in my body. So no, <laughs> And he, he just laughs because it's like no excuse, just no. <laughs> and that's okay.
0: Right. We, I think we have to get more comfortable with that. Just being okay. And to not feel bad or guilty about it. Cause that's the other thing too. Like we could say no. And then five minutes later, when you know something's happening that night and you're missing it, you're like, oh man, like, should I have done that? Should I have like just gone and sucked it up? You know, like. We think, I know I do too, when I say no to things, I'm always like, oh man, should I have done, you know? Like, I think just like making that decision and then being okay with it and not beating ourselves up about it, I think is important too.
1: I think with real estate, regarding real estate, I would say commission is the biggest thing because right now, of course, we're competing, we're getting less as a buyer agent and people are saying, I just did a listing appointment like a week and a half ago and it was a big listing and I knew I was competing. And of course, he did phone interview that would then turn into a physical interview based on his t- top two. And from there, he would decide. It was this big, elaborate process. He, he asked, I'm sure he asked everyone, can you cut your commission? Are you willing to take a haircut? Which I didn't even know what that meant. I had to Google it. <laughs> and I was like, my staple comment that I would recommend every real estate agent learn this sentence. If your real estate agent cannot negotiate their own commission, how are they going to negotiate the price of your home? Mm. Some people take that in a good way and some people don't. But it is with silence afterward. It is a very It's like a lot in that sentence for someone who's like, can you do it at four? Can you do it at five? Because then they're like, whoa, maybe they talked to three other people that just said, yeah, I'll do it just right off the bat well, first of all, I'll do it for five. I'll do it for four and a half. And then they come to you and you say, if you're asking me to cut my commission, like, well, let's let's talk about what else. But if your real estate agent can't even negotiate their own commission, like how are they going to negotiate your million dollar home? It does give them pause. And in the end, you may end up cutting it anyway because it's down to you and one other person. But at least it, it's something I would say everyone should learn that sentence. It's and just say it as nice as possible. But It's important because there's no other good answer to that question.
0: Like you said, if we're not the biggest advocates for ourselves and our work, you know, then how are we going to even do a good job for our clients? I mean, it's it's so true. And I think I love that. I think that's something, you know, that everyone listening will absolutely think about, you know, the next time they head into into that client meeting. I want to know how we just put all this in practice so that we can get more energized and really break through those times of feeling you know so caught up what other ways are there that we can really avoid this burnout and focus more on creating a successful business and something that's easier and and, you know still at the same time just as well functioning as if we were doing this during a non-burnout time
1: I think, and this is not something everyone has, so they might have to think about this because they'll say, well, the ability to keep going and doing things, has to there has to be something outside of real estate that you want to do with your money that's more inspiring than what it's going to take to get the money. And so I think that I didn't have that at many couple different times where I found myself just like, this wasn't interesting to me anymore. I drifted and I know people felt that. I know clients felt it, but there has to be something else you do. I think that if you're not helping someone right now, you need to figure out who you can help. I mean, literally, I mean, it could be in real estate, could be, could be that you go do something for one agent. If you're talking about in business, just don't ask for money. I mean, right now it's really hard to ask anyone to do anything for you in business. If you don't have a team where they don't say, you know, are you going to pay me $50? Help someone. I started getting into doing more outside of real estate, helping people, figuring out how to help people. Right now, this is something that I want to do. It's something I journal about. I educate myself about it. I'm beginning to post about it, but I would like to build a tiny home community and have that be, there's really only one in Virginia, but it's, It's actually more of like a communal thing. It's not like what I'm thinking, but everyone should be able to afford a home and not be, and I'm not talking about from homelessness because I am a big advocate about homelessness. I just want to, so I need to make a lot of money because I want to either use Boxable or something that is a a well-known or maybe even like through my podcast, interview a bunch of tiny home uh, manufacturers. I would like to build or help build a tiny home community so that people can live in an environment that not a trailer park, okay? Because there isn't. this is why there's no communities because it's just a little tiny home you'll see in a road, but you won't see a community because then when you see think community of tiny home, you think RV park or you think a mobile home park. But my idea is totally different. And so I just want that to be something where someone can buy a home for $60,000 and it's stationary, doesn't move, there's no wheels. There's a tiny home community somewhere, I don't know.
0: Funny that you bring that up because we just had a panel here in Columbus last week on tiny homes, the value that they bring to the community. And I know that's something that we're looking at in Columbus here as well with with um, just the city growing so quickly and what we do as far as affordable housing goes. I mean, that's that's so funny that you bring that up because I know it's a hot topic around here as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just like, what, what can I do to help society to help the world I've started a lot of podcasts there's only three going right now <laughs> <But> only three <laughs> I, <laughs> but because because I you want to talk about something other than real estate I used to be afraid to talk about to do something or promote something or post about anything that wasn't real estate because I would think I this was years ago but because I would think well what if my clients see that then they'll know that I'm into something other than real estate and then they'll, they'll ask me are you still a real estate agent like yeah but I have other interests, fitness, health, enhancing social connectedness. <laughs> that's, that's my like three word thing that confuses people. <laughs> but tiny home community, just these are things that you might journal that you don't tell anyone that you do want to make an impact. And it has to be something that drives you to want to work hard and not focus on the fact that buyer agent that you're working with or the listing agent didn't do their job, so I had to make it up for them. That was something I mentioned in the article. It's like, so what? You had to do their job this time. But there's
0: times that the other side is so great, and you're like, wow, they're amazing. Finding ways to keep yourself motivated outside of your career, I think is so important. You know, we all are in real estate because we love, you know, a certain aspect of it, but finding something outside of it that can keep you going on those tough days, on those times when you have to pick up the slack for another agent that you're working on or something I think is so important and so key. Cheryl, this is so fantastic having you on today and talking about this idea of silent quitting versus silent winning. And it's pretty catchy too, like silent winning, you know, and I love that the example you gave of someone saying, oh, is that the, you know, realtor, signature line with all the accolades like no this is ways that you can work better and smarter not harder and I think that that is so important so thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing these wonderful tips and advice on um, ways to avoid burnout and start silently winning
1: so let me ask you one thing before you end. yes when you read well, when you think about the quiet winning what is it is there something that pops in your mind that makes you think outside of your career what do you do for fun?
0: you're not being interviewed all of our listeners are going to love hearing about my boring dull personal life right now (laughs) um so i love i love sports um i love being in nature going on walks and hikes and being outdoors that really helps refuel me. So the winter months are, are tough. Um, and then just, just spending quiet time. Um, being alone, I am very much an extrovert that is an introvert. And I recharge by spending a lot of time alone, journaling, thought processing, doing all that kind of stuff. But I would say that those are kind of my escapes and in, in my outlets. I like that. I'm too
1: extrovert, introvert. Just based on what you just said, you could literally become, you could quietly win, by becoming the real estate agent that focuses on posting and being known for the person that knows the most nature related areas in a community or in it or in a zip code there's no one that knows the most about the nature the trails <laughs> the past, and the hikes the trails and the, yeah. the paths exactly so you take the thing that you love outside of real estate turn it to real estate because then you'll never get bored of doing it
0: I, like that's so it. cool. Like bringing your passion into your business. Like how can you kind of tie those two things together? That's that's a perfect example. Yeah. No, I love that. What a way to sum it up. I mean, what better note do we leave it off on that? Think of ways that you can do, you know, turn your hobbies into part of your career. I think that's super cool. Well, Cheryl, like like I said, again, this was so great having you on. Thank you for everything. Thank you for your time. And um, thank you for joining me today. You're welcome. To all of my listeners. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Real View. That wraps up today's episode. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at ohio slash The Real View and on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Have questions, comments, or suggestions? We wanna hear from you. Email us at podcast at ohiorealtors.org. We'll see you next time.